if you could add an XP system to any board game, what would it be, and how would it change the game? Oh, <laughs> my first thought is Monopoly, oh. and you have a per. Uh, what do they say? Pervasive is that the right term? A permanent land baron character, and um, it, it would be like a social game, right? Because you're like manipulating other people. So like maybe my character's better at like strong arming other land people, and someone else is very charming. I don't know. So it's, it's like a Monopoly the RPG. What? Oh, because I was thinking you were you're making a joke because originally Monopoly was made by like a hardcore leftist as like a parody board game to show how uh, only one person wins. Like, and it's supposed to be like you can either choose to play cooperatively or competitively. And like Americans always chose to play competitively. <laughs> and it's like they're supposed to show that capitalism always leads to a monopoly eventually with only one winner on top. And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Which is really interesting. I, I thought you were going to make a joke towards that. Um, well, I guess because if I'm adding XP to a board game, um, I'm basically just making an RPG version of a board game. That's true. I. It makes me think of Pandemic Legacy. Yes, or... I was just about to say that. Because mm -hmm. I've played Pandemic Legacy and um, I have played Risk Legacy, uh, which are super fun. But I love how it's not really a RPG because um, you don't get to choose what other players... I guess that makes... I guess it yeah, kind of turns into an MMO. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Because in Risk Legacy, you're playing with like... Let's say you're playing with the color red. And the red is like the duongolian empire or whatever and you get to i think you get to name it um and then you get to put stickers on the red character sheet or the red empire sheet um it's almost like a skill tree and you can kind mm. of pick which stickers or which things to rub off and stuff like that and uh it, you become you edit that civilization but the thing is you pick civilizations for each game randomly or at um there are different ways to do it, but you don't guarantee that you're going to be that same civilization next time. Hmm. So you're basically buffing a civilization that you might not be. Oh, okay. Interesting. There's one game that I want to get. Um, I'm a big fan of Betrayal at House on the Hill, and they have Betrayal Legacy now. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you, um, the game, from what I understand, takes place over a couple hundred years, and so your characters, you know, that you can always die or whatever, but you you play as an ancestor of the first character that you made. So every game you're either making a new person or just playing a much older version of that character. Oh, that's super cool. Mm. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm. that's going to be the future. I think they're going to start adding more RPG elements and more roleplay elements into standard games, like board games. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I, I would so lose of Catan, the RPG. <laughs> yeah, dude. That Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. What about you, David? You got any oh, ideas? Oh, man. I don't know. I I think adding systems to board games don't make them inherently better because most what? board games are already like inherently <laughs> simple, and adding other things can just overly complicate it or add like unnecessary elements that don't really add anything to the game. Like... Imagine playing Sorry, but now you have experience to track, and you're just like, oh, this game is already unfun, and this, this experience tracking is making it even awesome. worse. <laughs> even worse. <laughs> so, I think that most games are already pretty intelligently designed, and 
I'm not really a fan of David. Are you kidding me? XP to them. Are you yeah. telling me that adding experience points to a game of Twister wouldn't make it more fun? <laughs> yes, because Twister isn't about leveling up. It's about touching it's about your getting friends. twisted, dude. <laughs> Next, David's gonna tell us he doesn't want a TV in his refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, I've tried it, and it's not that great. <laughs> it doesn't work that long. Doesn't work that well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Twister with experience. Unlocking new colors and stuff. Come on. Oh my. You have like Here's a new purple color. <laughs> Try to touch new, it, but new don't body fall. Parts. Twister Legacy has like Twist. giant stickers you put over the circles. <laughs> Twister Legacy. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> and the person who loses has to remain there until the next game is played. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> If you lose the game, you lose a limb. Oh, that's how you keep it real. Oh. <laughs> if, if you guys uh, subscribe to our uh, Patreon, uh, I believe at the uh, $15 a month pledge, you get a free copy of Twister Legacy designed by us. <laughs> it's just a normal game of Twister with a knife in the box. <laughs> you decide how you use the knife. Now go play. Uh. Oh. Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 39, Leveling, Progression, and Experience. This is our first time talking about experience, meaning that we actually have no experience talking about experience. (sighs) Yep, that is... That is uh, where you're wrong. That's the show, folks. (laughs) Wait, is there a noise attributed with leveling up in uh, in World of Warcraft? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What is it? It kind of goes... It. <laughs> nice. That's, that's it. <laughs> so, what sound do you guys make when your characters level up? My players go, can I pick a feat? <laughs> really? That's the sound that I expect. My players go, finally! That's that's another one. <laughs> that's, I would have been level 20 already. <laughs> finally <laughs> yeah um so let's talk a little bit about experience in D because this is a aspect of the game i think that people just kind of overlook or ignore um for various reasons that are they'll be discussed later on um but i want to talk about how to use it to make your game better and to reinforce the themes and the tone and all that good stuff in your game david why do we even have experience points in D? Experience points really help to emulate progression. Mm-hmm. So as you are doing things in-game, as your character is getting stronger, experience is a way for you to be able to model that and show like, hey, your your character has actually gotten better at swinging a sword to the point where they can now level up their ability or get new abilities or unlock new features so that it feels like your character is getting stronger, they're getting more hit points, they're, you know, they're becoming better. What if there was no XP in D&D and you never leveled up? How would that change the game? Oh, man. I, I feel like you would have to rely way more on magic items and equipment mm-hmm. and, and gold. Like, like it would be much more like um, like old school D&D. Like, it would be more based on your what you find in the dungeon, what your loot is, you know, what you can get custom upgraded as opposed mm-hmm. to, like, um, 
yeah, I feel like it'd be a much more tactical war game type thing. There'd be, I mean, obviously, if we're going by 5e, if you can't level up, there'd be far less spells, a lot more usage of cantrips instead. So, does that, so, do you still have skills in this, like... N- yeah, probably. Okay, so that means you could still potentially train skills, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be tied to experience, correct? Yeah. So, yeah, experience kind of bundles all of these the features of training a skill into one where it's just this big chunk where you level up now. So you get more hit points, you get more uh, hit dice, you get, you know, some new skills and abilities. You might increase your proficiency bonus. You might increase, you know, some skills that, you know, you might get a feat. It's just kind of, it kind of bundles a bunch of things together. Whereas in that kind of system, it would take intentional training to get better at a Uh. skill. You would have to actually focus on, Hey, like I need to learn how to use thieves tools because no one in our party does. So I need to spend a bunch of downtime and train with those tools so, until I'm proficient with them. Or you you would need to actually focus on getting better at certain skills or focus on training as an action. Unlike in our current game where it's kind of you passively don't have to do anything. You just kind of <laughs> quest or follow the story in order to get better. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I like the idea of having a more, it feels almost more open world um, where you can kind of pursue what you want your character to be. I think like a lot of the yep. more previous editions um, of Dungeons and Dragons where you could kind of, there was much more minute detail in how you wanted to customize your character and what sort of tactical maneuvers you wanted to have in addition to what sort of specific spell lists and stuff like that. Yep. Um, I kind of like that. It, there isn't like this um, kind of set railroad track that you're on. It's just a moment, a matter of time before you get to the next level. I like the idea of, the, of infusing D&D or what, any campaign really with letting your players be more intentional about what they want to train and give them opportunities yep. to acquire skills in different ways other than just like that magic level up. Right? <laughs> yeah, because I think it's kind of weird when you level up and you after fighting a dragon and all of a sudden now you can use Smith's tools. Even though you've never touched them before in your life, <laughs> you just somehow know how to, you know, make armor and and forge weapons. That's just kind of weird to me. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. Skyrim, that's something that you would have to like intentionally train for hours and hours, making iron daggers until over over. you know you can level up eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I am wont to do, I like to go back in time and examine the history of systems in D anD. d and since D&D comes from a tradition of wargaming, there was no experience in those type of games. The only experience you gained was yourself, your human being self, getting better at the game. And so it was revolutionary when all of a sudden Dave Arneson says, you're going to play as one soldier, and that soldier sticks around from game to game. Right? Like, I'm going to take this, mm-hmm. this one adventurer, and they're going to get better. And they're going to get loot that stays around and doesn't reset every game. It seems so obvious now where we're like, oh, of course I would have, I mean, look at video games, look at even Call yeah. of Duty now has um, RPG mechanics where you, you get XP and you get new guns. and um, Yeah, that is interesting. How... It's in everything now. Yeah, and the idea now just seems archaic of playing as a, a random soldier and then that soldier could die or is kind of like less meaningful. Um, but yeah, the gaming, just gaming in general, whether it's board games or video games or tabletop games has completely shifted towards like the individual, uh, character that you care about and you want to see grow. Um, I'm thinking 
because it's moved so much in that direction, there was a game, um, I believe it was Battlefield 1, where the prologue is you playing as a uh, a group of World War... It was uh, a black battalion of soldiers in World War One called the Harlem Hellfighters. Um, and you're playing as them, and your goal is just to survive as long as you can. Um, and whenever you die, it says the, uh, the real soldier's name that died in that battle and their age. And then it transfers you to another soldier, and you just try to survive as long as possible in the trenches. It eventually gets overrun, you die, and then it says the name of that soldier that died. Jeez. And, like, it keeps going on, and you just see all these, I mean, most of them are, like, 17, 18, oh. um, just dying in the trenches. And it's really weird, like, that's really meaningful, because it's so different than, like, the normal first-person shooter where your name is, like, Rex Mc, McMonster, who's, like, the best, best soldier, super soldier there ever was. You don't think Master Chief... Um, it, it is crazy how we, we've moved to characters that we care about as opposed to just like the masses thrown at each other. It gives me a strange idea for a one-off battlefield type of um, yes. D&D. Where, like World like, War you, One trench warfare. Right, and you play as some, I don't want to say garbage because like, obviously these soldiers were real people, but you play as a very low-level, low-powered person. And when you die, you just give them another character and say, okay, you're now on this part of the battlefield. Oh, that's so... Jeez. Yeah, I would love that. That would be a fantastically fun experiment hmm very odd almost like a helm's deep type of thing right yes yeah but yeah so now that we have DD and we have rpg systems um we track progression over time and it seems so silly to track something as vague and kind of ethereal as the concept of gaining experience in a skill um and so uh guy gax and arneson invented this idea of experience points um and this is something that I have gone around on basically all of last year, trying to think of a better way to do it with the tools they had then, and I can't. And so the way they measured it was in the old game, it was all about going into a dungeon and getting loot and then getting out alive. And so their measurement was gold is XP, period. Uh, you don't, you don't yeah. get gold for killing, or you don't get XP for killing monsters, you don't get XP for completing quests, you get XP for gold. Um, and it... And just that little thing changes how the game works. It changes how you plan. It changes how you solve problems. Yeah, that that is That's that is super interesting. Like, because really, if you're thinking in kind of a, a capitalistic mindset of going forward, if you want to be stronger, especially in the older systems, you you have to amass wealth. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it really replaces it quite well because it's like no, that experience is just wealth to make my character better. And it, to get better training, to get better gear, to get better weapons, yeah, it just it just makes sense in a really simple way. And I also like the idea that you have to spend gold in order to actually turn it into experience. Mm -hmm. Like you have to buy books so that you can read, so that you can learn more spells, mm -hmm. or you have to spend it on better tools so that you, in, on the battlefield, you're going to be faster with your swords and shields and all that. Or, you know, you have to actually use the gold that you find and kind of make it into experience that makes you better rather than just kind of like, oh, I have enough experience to level up now. So I am now better at this skill, even though there's not really a reason for me to be yeah. better. Right. I know how to be a blacksmith, even though like 10 seconds ago I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You would also oh. be spending your gold to hire people yeah. because of the high level of lethality in the old game 
you you get a bunch of people to stand in front of you, and so they die, and you don't. Yeah. It was a very effective strategy. And so in a way, it's... So we talked about this in the OSR episode a little bit, I think. Um, the player's knowledge of the mechanics of the game is almost... It's equal to, if not greater than, the actual in-game experience points you're getting. Because mm-hmm. gold yes. just gives you um, options. Yes. It, so it's yeah. it's player experience being more valuable than character experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Super strange now. Um, the, the downside of that, of course, is that you don't get this nice structured story. Um, you get like a series of delves that uh, in hindsight you can kind of look back on and, and make a story out of. Um, but it's definitely not as engaging maybe as some of the new D&D stuff we have. Yeah, that that's a fundamental difference I have with the or OSR and all that stuff. Like, um, I can't remember who said, some guy on Twitter that um, that we've interacted with before said, the story doesn't happen at the table. The story happens after what happens at the table. Like the story is retelling the events over and over and over again, um, which is really interesting to me because I go as a DM. I'm like, I'm tr- I'm trying to make story moments though. Like I'm tr- I, there is kind of a a shell or a skeleton of a plot line or an overarching theme running throughout and it's really weird to think about the story not happening until the players recite it to someone else later yeah and i i've seen that happen because um even in in my more structured modern D D games where i have a story that i'm trying to tell and then i always ask the players at the start of each session to to catch us up on what happened last time and oh yeah very often they will tell a very different story than what i had understood yes yeah, and I think that's really important because, yeah, oftentimes I will say, okay, last time this happened, this happened, this happened. I found it's it's sometimes really good to say, hey, I'll give you inspiration or um, I'll give you um, just something for telling what happened. Um, and even to get different players uh, to discuss what happened because they'll have different ideas of like, wait, what? That was this? It was like, oh, I was doing that for this reason. Like... Oh, it's really good to to discuss the sessions afterwards. Besides it being super fun, it's really super helpful too. Yeah. Moving into more modern D&D, I think uh, 2nd Edition and 3.5, and actually even 5e does this, where they now put the XP on monsters. So when XP is gold and there's a dragon, all you have to do is trick the dragon or lure it away or disable it in some way and then steal the gold and leave. and Never get into a fair fight, right? Um, mm. But if it's suddenly you only the XP if you kill the monster, now you have to kill that dragon. Now you have to kill those goblins. And so it changes the player psychology and how they're going to interact with the world. And so this is, I think, when you see a rise of what is popularly called being a murder hobo. Oh, monster. yes. Yeah. Monster you, slayer. You have to. Like, there is no... You don't gain anything for negotiating with the goblin tribe. Yeah, and I think that's where D&D loses some of its uh, uniqueness because you take a system where it's just get the gold and you can level up and you you having multiple ways of trying to get the gold by either killing or stealing or distracting or you know doing all these different things to now you have to kill the dragon if you want to get better and that's it. Like the, you you you're very limited in what you can do and you're just pushed into combat even unwillingly so sometimes so it kind of loses its uniqueness in problem solving because you can't just get rid of the dragon 
to or convince it to go somewhere else but you actually just have to you know kill it now Mm -hmm. that's it's so interesting how it does almost the opposite like in the first one you're encouraged to avoid combat um, and like uh, get the gold and ignore the the threat if you get past it and it may be a high level character in you know xp for getting kills might like just go in kill the dragon and leave the gold (laughs) because the gold wasn't important to them it's just like no i need to get to level 20 yeah i don't care about the gold (laughs) yeah and it's funny that such a seemingly small shift in the game design changes the game completely yeah yeah um so that's why we have murder hobos um but then in more modern games now we try to have systems in xp that um reward players for certain behaviors so 5e still has a monster challenge rating system that determines their xp but that's really for building encounters that are fair um and really you should just do that online with an encounter generator anyway because it's takes way too much time to do by hand um but they have multiple different suggestions on how to um have players level up and so uh jake do you have the official uh there's three options i think in the player's handbook or in the dmg that um is the official recommendation from watsi uh i do i do not i was no. i was actually gonna go to a completely against this because i just read a twitter thread by mike merles and chris perkins that they they do not use cr in their own games <laughs> not surprised. how ironic no it's because th- so basically the thread i saw is that cr is used for <clears throat> so gr cr for anyone i don't know it stands for challenge rating um and they said it's really just a skeleton bare bones idea of how powerful a monster is for a new dungeon master mm-hmm. and if they've never experienced this type of enemy before um you can get a semi-balance you can get in the ballpark right yeah. where it's 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 semi-fair um but if you really take into account you know like say you have a bunch of uh melee fighters if they're going to be fighting something with uh with range like that's going to make it more difficult for the fighters um if you're fighting something with magic and none of your none of your players have magic like that's going to make it more difficult so all these things um shift shift it quite a lot so that they're still in the same ballpark but the the easy encounters can easily become a deadly encounter with a few crits. Um, and so it, it is a real shaky system um, that really, if you really want to have, the, I think, get the best out of 5e, you're going to be altering some stuff on the fly mm-hmm. to keep it in the same ballpark. Because, yeah, it, when when even the creators say they don't use CR in their home games, it, one, it's because they know the game well enough. They They know the balance. Um, but also it just shows the system is not, it's not a science. It's more of an art. And that's why I'm kind of opposed to like CR calculators and stuff. Um, it'll give you some cool random encounters, especially if you can add like multiple enemies that combine together to a certain CR and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm kind of opposed to to using CR in kind of a mathematical way in 5e. Well, even the rules that are presented in the Dungeon Master's Guide for building encounters are off they're not the same as the internal rules that wadsey uses to build characters uh this is another twitter thread i think um merles or maybe jeremy crawford explained that they have a spreadsheet that crunches numbers and does all the math for them so that they want a creature of this type um they put in a, a number here and it spits out over here what it needs to be and so they just sort of reverse engineered that spreadsheet and put that material into the dmg so it's mm-hmm. not not one to one in fact if you use if you create monsters using the DMG rules, your monsters will be on average slightly weaker than official 
monster manual monsters. Mm. Super weird. So yeah, there's a lot against CRs. Um, and like I said, don't pay too much attention to it because if you know what you're doing, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to have my frontline fighters and my casters. And, and yeah, it's uh, it's not super hard to do. Yeah. Mostly I build encounters to be thematic anyway. And so it's more about like what would really be here. Yeah. So and and I so so yeah that that's also CR since we're talking about experience and and leveling that's how you calculate how much experience is awarded for killing this monster um, and then I believe is the experience split between the party or does each person who is involved in that encounter get that exact experience I don't know I've never used it <laughs> um, yeah, normally it's supposed to be a fair division um, between all the players but I don't. But I don't use that, right? Like I've used XP in other systems mm-hmm. and usually the numbers stay very small compared to like the hundreds or thousands yeah. of XP you need. Um, but it would just be a pure, like you would write down, oh, you killed six skeletons. So that's this much XP. And then you just write it down. And at the very end of the session, you would tally up all the XP that was earned and then divide that among the players evenly. Yeah. And that's that seems pretty tedious to me, honestly. Because um, really you want your players to level up in, at certain points. And so fortunately the core game of uh, 5e supports uh, multiple different systems of leveling up. One of them is called milestone XP. And um, most people think that they're using milestone XP, uh, but they're actually just using um, what the DMG calls level advancement without XP. So milestone would be like uh, you save the princess, you bring her back to town and she's like, Oh, thank you for saving me. And then you say, all right, you guys all get 500 XP and the players write it down. Or you found this magic item from the cursed temple, you get this much XP, right? Like it's, it's you did something in the world and you you've crossed this threshold, you've completed a milestone, and now you have earned XP. Level advancement without XP is pretty much what I use. It's what everyone I know uses. And I think they most people, yeah, misuse the term milestone XP and just yep. yeah, they they just say no. Most people just use milestone, and that's essentially the GM decrees when people level up right because you you know when it feels right to level yeah. up yeah and so if you're using numbers xp right then um they could level up halfway through an adventure or like 20 minutes into the start of a new session yeah. like at just any random time whereas usually i say okay you're gonna level up um at the very end of the session or you're gonna do it um before we meet up again you'll have leveled up mm-hmm. that way it minimizes downtime yeah it's pretty darn nice yeah uh, absolutely the problem is, is that, um, and and while I have used this, I think it could be better. It could be more interesting. Um, and there's, like we're saying, all kinds of ways to modify this stuff. So with milestone XP, uh, challenge rating XP, and GM determined leveling. leveling systems, I think that this, for me personally, leaves a big gap in my games where I don't have as much downtime as I normally would as a GM or as a player as a player and as a GM I think downtime is taken out of effectively taken out of the game Mm -hmm. because you no longer need to go back to town in order to level up you don't have to buy things you can effectively event adventure forever because every time you level up pretty much everything is restored downtime and having to go to town is no longer a necessity in games Mm. so you can just stay out and you can explore the dungeon of the mad mage 
probably forever unless yeah. you if and the only times you would need to are to like go leave and take a, sh- a long rest but you never have to leave because you need to level up and i think that that's kind of something that i miss about my games is i enjoy having downtime i enjoy being able to do things in town to be able to interact with townsfolk or be able to work on things projects projects and personal things and i think that's where characters can really shine in terms of role playing is through downtime and the activities that they partake in and the things that they participate in and because of our current xp systems that is effectively negated and it there isn't as much room for that oh i, yeah. I have many thoughts many no thoughts. i i yeah i generally agree with that go ahead will okay so i don't want to forget um when Blizzard was developing Diablo 3, I learned this from a BlizzCon panel, you can probably go find it if you want, they said that they originally designed the system so you didn't have to go back to town to sell your stuff. And playtesters hated it, because there's a certain rhythm that you get into of like, I'm going to go down to this dungeon, kill a bunch of stuff, and then you scroll the town portal back, and you have you go to, to this place that's very safe, it's always the same. And you, you sell your stuff, disenchant, craft, whatever. Like, there's a rhythm of the game that is very familiar, and it's kind of comforting. Because human beings need patterns to be happiest. Um, yeah. And I think the same can be said for D&D, where if all you're doing is you're always out in the wilderness, and you're just, you can just kill, 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 and the only time you go back to civilization is um, because there's a story beat that requires it. Um, I think there's a certain type of campaign um, that has that rhythm, like Diablo three. Or, or really any Diablo game, um, that is very comforting and soothing. Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I wouldn't even think about that. Because at first when you said that, I was like, oh, characters could essentially adventure forever. And I'm just like, yeah, isn't that the point? But then I'm like, oh, no, like there is that you do need to break up the action and there does need to be um, character development. And there does need to be you talking to a shopkeeper or an innkeeper every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. And... and I guess I've done that naturally because I, I like more role play in my games because, you know, I tend to have them go to more urban settings. I mean, I just finished Dunge- or, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Um, so they, they were kind of itching to just dive into it at the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, mm-hmm. But but I that does make sense. There needs to be a balance and almost sometimes even a, uh, a pattern or a rhythm, like you said, Will. Yeah. So, my, so there's this weird house rule that I've been thinking of for including where... At, at, at in order for you to level up once you've reached the the milestone or yeah, whatever you, you want to do it whatever. threshold whenever your dm decides to allow you to level up for me i want to have a house rule where you in order for you to actually gain that level you have to go back to town and you have to go to a tavern and tell stories about your adventure whoa <laughs> that's super cool that's good because I you have to that. You have to go and you have to actually tell people about, oh you know, the God. adventures you've been on. Because and, that's so much about adventure. they literally have to tell it, too. Because, like, yeah. then you get to hear how their perspective as well. Oh. And I think that that can that brings back the downtime and yeah. it makes you go back to town. And so much about adventuring is adventurers being inspired by other adventurers mm-hmm. and telling stories about how they've gone on and they've done amazing things. And I think that that part is lost of you having to share your stories. Oh. And I think that would be fun. And it's it's a way of kind of incorporating downtime without it bogging down the game. Right. And being more fun where 
you just have to go back to town and kind of tell some random citizens about you know what you've done oh my god i just want to role play that right now like oh my gosh (laughs) that's such a good idea i love that that i might yeah maybe for my next big campaign after after this big one i might implement that because i love the idea of someone going into a dungeon at like level four um and maybe they level up uh and but they have to keep going and maybe they level up again so it's like you're level four fighting tough things but when you get back to town you get ding ding like two levels up to level six uh because it was just kind of being stored up because you couldn't level up in the dungeon itself because you Mm -hmm. hadn't yeah you hadn't returned to civilization to to tell of your tale oh my gosh i really love that yeah that's super fun um any other thoughts david that's so fun that's the only thing that i had to say um so real quickly i just want to run through uh and kind of think about how the game of, of or the game of D would be changed if we just tweaked how you get xp oh, so okay. yeah we're, um we've got a lot of these different ones and they're fun to think about so uh let's examine if you get xp for killing anything not just monsters just anybody anything i kill the shopkeeper i get 100 xp Thanks. Oh no! Well, th- that's murder that, hobo city. Well, yeah, right that's there. wasn't that technically what it was? Because like I, yeah, I remember I saw this like meme somewhere. It's like back in what the early aughts when D and D was still, uh, yeah, D and D was still uh, re- not regarded as well as it is today. Um, and yeah, like there's like some early kind of looks cringy meme to us now. Um, and the <laughs> meme was just like. You know you're in trouble when your players start to ask how much XP the shopkeepers were. Oh, and it's just oh like, no. <laughs> just... There was a lot of stuff in 3.5 that were, uh, to quote the G-Man from Half-Life 2, uh, unforeseen consequences of the game design. And one of those was that in 3.5, they simulated everything. So it went beyond Gary Gygax's verisimilitude of making a world that seemed like it was simulated Believable. To, to now everything had stats. Every shopkeeper had what they called uh, NPC classes. Um, so like a blacksmith was like a level five blacksmith, which isn't like a fighter. It's just that he's he's got abilities and he's tough. Every squirrel, rabbit, pig, horse, whatever, like anything you could interact with had a stat block somewhere. And so oh. you could just go and kill the shopkeeper and his family and get a couple hundred XP. And, and you that, never have to risk your life. It, it inadvertently advocates for genocide. Yeah. Like, and that's you, what happened. Oh, God. Yeah, and it is, yeah, you really want to, the game design should um, encourage behavior that you want to see, or the behavior that um, makes everyone at the table enjoy it. Um, But when you have the game design like that, yeah, there's going to be some people who are just like, I want to level up, I want to be the strongest barbarian I can, so I want to kill anyone I see. And if that takes (laughs) eating an orphanage, I'll do it. (laughs) I'll eat the whole orphanage. Every single one of them. (laughs) The women and the children. Um, All right. So, uh, okay, now we're going to have XP is gained for defeating monsters. Not killing necessarily, just defeating them. Oh. This includes outsmarting, um, getting them to run away. Yeah, this seems more like milestone XP. Or just how kind of all dungeon masters do the math in their mind. Mm -hmm. Like when they're thinking, like at the end of a session, we'll just say you're in the middle of, of some campaign and they just go... Can we can we level up like when the session ends? Like you you kind of do that mental math of a dungeon master where it's like, okay, what did they do? And this is one of those things if you quote unquote defeat a monster by like outsmarting them, by tricking them, by doing a tense negotiation scene with them, 
but you end up accomplishing your goal, like getting the gold or uh, ending the hostage situation or saving the princess or whatever. I would consider that like a success. Like I would do like a check mark and be like, that's kind mm-hmm. of a milestone of accomplishment. So I think this is kind of how I do it already. Like, like ending a threat or bypassing a threat are, are worth oftentimes just as much as destroying or obliterating a threat. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause we don't want to have an adventure where I've planned a series of really cool wilderness encounters in a dungeon and like a cool quest with twists, like oblivion style yeah. fighters guild quests. Uh, and then the players just stay in town and like harass NPCs. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Daedra you see. Virgo, <laughs> <laughs> why won't you die? Oh, dude, God. oblivion. Okay, now what if we get XP for overcoming serious threats? So a shopkeeper is obviously not a serious threat, and overcoming is a pretty vague term. Yeah, but now like if you're fought, you fight some goblins in the woods who aren't a big threat for you because you're a high level. They're not a serious threat, so you don't get XP. So oh. we're, we're trying to get players to seek out bigger and bigger dangers because that's the only way to improve. Oh, that's interesting yeah. because it's also you're you're finding something that's relative to your Power level. level. So if something is a serious threat to you or a serious threat to the town or a serious threat to something, then you get experience for overcoming that and for defeating that threat. Yeah. I think that's really smart, yeah, because it's like you uh, once the mobs become just too weak. Yeah, it's it's almost. I think this is in a lot of MMOs. Um, like I think World of Warcraft has it to where like uh, eventually an enemy, if an enemy is like within your level, it's green, and if it's a little above you, it's yellow, and if it's a little higher, it's orange, and then its name appears in red if it's like mm-hmm. way too hard. And I think it's like skulls, and you can't even see the level if it's like way too high. But then it, it if uh, below green is gray, and I think you don't get experience right, you get for killing an enemy that that's name shows up in gray because they're just so weak to you that it wouldn't even you wouldn't break a sweat. Therefore, you no. wouldn't gain experience. And uh, yeah, I I like that. I, I like um, encouraging them to seek out bigger threats. I think this also goes beyond monsters as well because if you're overcoming a serious threat. I mean, a town could be having a drought and they could be running out of food. Yes. So you could be trying to help them get water, which could inherently not have any combat, but it's also a serious threat to the town and you're overcoming it and helping them with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also subtly pushes them to the main quest most of the time uh, because the main quest or the big bad or whatever MacGuffin they have to retrieve, whatever's at the end tends to have like the most serious threat. Um, and it kind of, subtly draws them to not necessarily the rails but back to um where the dungeon master has created Mm -hmm. this one's fun because i think this speaks to an entirely new kind of campaign you only get xp for killing aberrations oh so a specific monster type yeah like now you are just bounty hunters on on the run looking for Right, it's like minute black kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So you really anything else you do is just kind of pointless, right? Like you can go slay a dragon, and right. the Doesn't game matter. design is just like, uh, you, you aren't rewarded for that. You're supposed to stop the aberrations. <laughs> <laughs> but the dragon's wrecking the town. Aberrations, Doesn't dude. Doesn't matter. That's interesting. Yeah, I can almost see this as like a minute black, like almost bureaucracy campaign, where like your <laughs> your whole job it's like, all right, we didn't pay you for that, kid. We're paying you to kill aberrations. <laughs> or you're crusaders against the undead and you only get experience mm. for killing undead. Oh, yeah. That's cool. 
So you're like you're all paladins and clerics and stuff, and you only get experience for taking care of undead, and that's which means that if you get in a fight with goblins, everybody's like, let's just get out of here because like, it's wasting our time and resources fighting anything other than yeah. the yeah. type of creature we're supposed to fight. Yeah, that's that, that's very strange. Here is another OSR type of rule that you probably could use in Five E. I obviously haven't done that. You get XP for bringing gold from the wilderness back to civilization. So you can't just rob a shopkeeper and expect that that gold is now XP. It has to be from somewhere far away and you bring it. Oh, so yeah. So it discourages like any kind of like heist or criminal activity. And it really encourages traditional Dungeons and Dragons uh, like adventuring. Right. I kind of like parts of this rule where you have to go out and then come back to civilization. Mm -hmm. So there's that dynamic of going back and forth. The cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't have to be gold, but maybe you could only earn XP if you are outside of the, the confines of, like, the sanctuary city. Yeah. Right? So even though if there's, like, uh, goblins yeah. or something there, you can kill them, but you won't level up because it's it's in society. Mm -hmm. And we live in a society. <gasps> Gamers rise up. Um, this one's similar. Um, I think it would be harder to track, but you get XP for exploring ancient ruins. Oh. Mm. I Not modern ruins. <laughs> At this point, you're like a tourist of like old things. So you're just kind of like you have like a travel. Log. Oh, hey, look! There's uh, I got my checklist. I saw the the ancient pyramid. We went through the crypts. <laughs> uh, we did this. Uh, I think I'm good. Let's get out of here, boys. It's yeah. I'm imagining someone with just like a, a big uh, straw hat and a uh, uh, <laughs> like a camera around there. Yes, <laughs> fall Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, um, like, a, like sunscreen on so thick that yes. they're just like it's it's also known as the speed run system where it's just you get more xp yeah and you just go through fast I, yeah. I i think um the exploration pillar like i've mentioned many times is is really underutilized um and i think uh encouraging more adventuring like literal exploring i think it's really important i think one of my favorite uh underutilized like plot hooks like action verb would be uh like to map out um and kind of add a little cartography um mm. and it's hard to do because it's very visual um but i think i, I like the idea of, of subtly encouraging players to go to a place in the map that's not mapped out oh my gosh point point. i just i just had an idea what if you had a quest where you like a an old wizard request that you map out a dungeon for him and you get xp based on how accurate it is oh that's <laughs> super cool and then at the very end the dungeon yes. master pulls out Reveals the actual it. map and then and just goes yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great it would almost be like uh what is it pictionary or something where it's like the drawing yeah. is so bad like and laughing at the results <laughs> that'd be awesome but that's so cool like having to actually like focus on making a really quality map because you know your payment's gonna depend on that <laughs> I'd love that's that. cool that's that's tough because like mapping based on just a verbal description is so tough yeah we ran just... it would take but you would also focus more on the mapping of the dungeon than anything you yeah, wouldn't true. actually focus on the the combat and you can make a dungeon designed to be more map mapped. friendly it'd be like light on the combat but more yeah. like traps and tricks and stuff yeah i think it'd be fun um so the cool thing is is that i'm saying xp here but really i could just say i will give you a level up if you go do this yeah right Ooh. and so this way the players still have that decision like imagine all the stuff that i've said except for killing anything what if i gave you i said here's all the things that will get you a level up in this world yeah and you have to obviously go all the way to the end of that path to be able to get it, I can't just like let you kill a monster and level oh. up. Yeah. 
But like, look, if you bring gold back from uh, the wilderness to civilization, like this much gold, X amount of gold, yeah. you get a level up. If you go kill aberrations, you'll level up. And so now the players know the boundaries and they can direct their experience. That's, yeah, that's super interesting. You'd, you'd have to kind of scale up each thing based on their accomplishing other things, you know, because mm -hmm. if they go map out and do uh, overcome some threats without combat and they do all this and suddenly they come back and they're like level six, it's like, okay, killing aberrations is going to be a little different now because you have to bump right. them up. Right, but this is just the the way that a GM can create a bunch of content, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and then the the players pick it, and then of yeah. course scale it. I love that, and I feel like I'm using a lot of these already in kind of the idea of milestone um, experience, even though that's technically the wrong word. But just <laughs> right. like like kind like of doing the mental levels. math, yeah, doing the mental math of like, yeah, they did this, they did this. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the the hard part is conveying what is valued as experience um, mm -hmm. to the players. Like, like, because it is kind of a finicky system in your head if you're using the DM fiat rules of like the DM decrees that you level up. It's hard to be like, okay, guys, do this this more, and you'll get levels. It'll count as right. as getting and that, closer. And this is why I harp so much on consistency and sort of transparency within a system. Because if the players can understand it, then they can make better decisions. But if I'm like, um, yeah, last session you leveled up because you killed eight goblins. And this session I'm not leveling up when you killed eight goblins because uh, I don't feel like it. And that, that's just kind of weird. Like, I don't, think, I don't think players would get mad necessarily. But I like saying like, um, so when they were in Omu, I told them you will, in the Tomb of Annihilation, if you uh, find the entrance to the tomb, you will get a level up. If you go, um, oh. I, don't, I don't know if I actually told you this, but if you go to the Colosseum and there's like a big fight you can do there, you will get a level up. The King up. of Feathers. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like, go and find it and you will you can achieve that if you want. So it's it is much easier than XP. Or, mm -hmm. or if you want to get more like Xanathars, then you start giving out like a quarter of a level up whenever you complete this stuff. This yeah. way it stays yep. really small scale and it's easy to track. Yeah. Uh, the last two I have are just XP gained for completing quests, which we've kind of talked about, like depending on how you define quest, and XP gained for completing heists. Ooh. Huh. So you like just awarding XP for this one thing now makes the whole game focused on that one thing. Yeah. Th this really is kind of how my Dragon Heist game went. Like a lot of people complain that Dragon Heist didn't actually have or didn't technically have a heist in it. Um, and so I just shoved as many as I could in there. Um, and it was wonderful to see, um, you know, the rogue planning the heist and the shadow sorcerer having to cover their asses when they're leaving and just super, super cool to see that. So yeah, if you really want an urban campaign, like encourage them via XP or milestone or even just loot or magic items to do heists. They're such a fun type of encounter. And there's um, so much... That you can do with heists in terms of, uh, let's say you're using the Xanathar's, you know, system for the, the quarter of a level up. So let's say for actually completing the heist, you get a quarter of a level. But for going undetected, you get another quarter of a level. For not damaging the product, you get another quarter of a level. <laughs> like there's so many things. You get a you get another quarter for no not killing anyone. There's so yeah. many alternate things that you can stack up to where it's not just about completing the mission but it's about the things that you do on the mission or how you complete the mission as well where you can give out alternate 
They're alternate, it's like side goals. Yeah. They did this in Oblivion and maybe in Skyrim, where uh, specifically for the Dark Brotherhood, I think, where they would have, here's your main goal, but if, if you can do it without doing this or while also doing this, you'll get a bonus. And yeah. so having that spelled out, like you give your players just a handwritten note that says, here's your objective. If you can do this and this, I will give you more XP, right? More quarter XP. And that's, huh. we're shaping their behavior. Because now, like, if I said, do it without killing anybody, you've just, like, stomped on the murder hobo, hobo express, right? Hopefully. Chugga, 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 So that was just me making up some uh, options for XP. But I want to look at other systems that I have played or run or that I know about uh, that make me very excited that have done cool things with experience points that maybe if you're creative, you can bring this into your game and see how it influences player behavior. The first one is Blades in the Dark. This is a game we've talked about many times. It's uh, sort of a heist game. I would describe it as like this... Uh, Underworld. Yeah, it's it's dark and grimy and great. Um, but anyway, so each character, um, there's a, a handful of different classes in the game. I won't describe them here. But each one has a different way of gaining XP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for instance, there's a class that is more of like a melee fighter. And their XP options are... Um, at the end of the game, you go down this list, and for each one of these that you actually did, you give your give yourself an XP. You get one. The numbers stay very low. I think the most you can get in a game is like four or five. Yeah. Um, so for the melee guy, it says, did you address a challenge with violence or coercion? Did you express your beliefs, drives, heritage, or background? Or did you struggle with issues from your vice or traumas during the session? And so for each of those, you can get one or even two XP each, which is oh. great. Oh, I love that. Um, there is one that is more like a, a thief, and their stuff is the same, except all that they change is, did you address a challenge now with technical skill or mayhem? Mm-hmm. Huh. The uh, the thief rogue, did you uh, address a challenge with stealth or evasion? So you see like each class is rewarded for behaving a certain way. That's, yeah, that's really good design. I, mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Oh, I love the one of revo- rewarding people for partaking in their vice. <laughs> that yeah. is so good that encourages character development and like just character flaws mm-hmm. um oh that's great yeah blades in the dark has some of the, actually it has the best um explanation of downtime activities uh because it builds the whole system around basically acquiring stress which is not like damage it's just it limits what you can do mm-hmm. um and the only way to get rid of it is to partake in your vice which is super dangerous anyway it's super great Super <laughs> duper great. Uh, the next one I have is the Star Wars, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. And that one, you get XP, I think it's mostly GM Fiat, right? Like I say, okay, well, you did this and that and this. And so you award each player like four or five XP with a bonus, depending on if they did things that you like. Um, but on, instead of earning a big level up in that game, everything is point by. So each class has a skill tree. You can like buy things on and kind of travel down. So it feels more like Skyrim's um, instead of big stat increases, you are just buying your path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really um, lets you focus on what you want, what kind of character you want to be. Yeah, it's very it's, granular. Yes, yeah, in a good way. It's it's not over. It's very sleek and it's not granular. When I hear granular, I think of uh, either salt or sugar or just a bad game. Um, <laughs> oh well, <laughs> this is the good grain. Yes, yes. Um, we've already talked about Xanathar's, uh, it has an alternate leveling method. Uh, it's normally based on how many hours you spend at the table. And this was just 
It's mostly designed for Adventurers League, I think, the official organized play, where you want players to arrive on time and stay for the whole game. And so yes. it, it is yeah. made to award, reward that. Yeah. Yes. And so that reminds me of another type of uh, of leveling or progression that I've heard is um, you either gain XP or you gain a level just like each session that you're there. And so hmm. if you don't show up, you don't gain a level. Ooh. So you have a, a guy that never shows up. When he shows up, he's going to be two or three levels below everyone else. Um, and it, it really... It's it can be harsh, but it really does encourage attendance. Um, it's I think if that was a big enough issue that you're like designing XP systems to solve an out of the game problem, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, unless it was like really said up front, like, hey, look, we all need to be here at this time. Um, I would recommend don't solve real world social problems with in-game solutions yeah. <laughs> that's actually yeah that's a great point I, I mainly see this in regards to maybe you have a um a big table of like 10 to 12 people that you're mm -hmm. playing with in in the college cafeteria every week or so and so that way you want to encourage attendance and also there's going to be so much chaos going on that it really um it d doesn't matter if one person's level 12 and another person's level nine it's not going to be a big enough deal because yeah if yeah. you have a real personal friend game <laughs> this might be a little uh yeah you might you want to talk out of the game instead of designing the game differently to punish them <laughs> <laughs> and for people named ben i'm going to punish you for doing this and that <laughs> <laughs> another one i really really like is um 5e's new uh, game dungeon of the mad mage mega dungeon um, and the way they do leveling up which i really like is you level up as you pun intended level down mm -hmm. so every time you uh go to the next level deeper into the dungeon you just automatically level up right um and i i really like that um because it you tell your players like yeah you 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 don't have to endure their questions of did we level up yet did we level up yet can we please go to level up please it's like if i if every time you asked you would be level 20 before we even got to the tomb or something like that. Um, and so it, it makes them not be able to question you. Could you just go, hey, you got to get to the end of this of this level. Um, yeah, and I really like that because everything scales automatically um, mm -hmm. with the dungeon as you go deeper. Um, so I think that's a really cool thing. It almost gives like a literal milestone as like, um, I think that's a literal definition of a milestone is a, like a mile marker yeah um and so it as, literally as a mile marker made of stone yes it, i think it literally is it's for trails um and so yeah so literally once you pass this point you level up and it kind of gives them the options to either um like to to be careful and fight their way through or if they level if they want to level up quick they can just kind of try to sprint through and get to the end as fast as possible that's um, what i was thinking so imagine yeah. i have a rogue and uh -huh. i just want to get as low as i can to like scoop up three levels and then go back to my party oh my gosh like would you allow that <laughs> no because i'd be i'd be playing two games of D D because i'd be playing one with the rogue and one with the other party so i i, I don't I, I agree with you jake but if that person wanted to come and just play a one-on-one -on -one game oh. and just to try that because it gets really dangerous if you try that right like, you could just get stomped yeah. and then your yeah. party never hears from you again but the reward is that you come back with like two or three or four more levels See, than the rest of the party this is where i disagree with you first off you can barely do a, a, a weekly session for D D. I don't think you're going to do a second session for one person <laughs> in the and perfect then, world jake <laughs> and then second off i don't like having different leveling progression systems 
uh, for different players in the same party, right? Like well, everyone well, in the party would... should have the same. I, I mean, I disagree with that fundamentally, but really? it's it's not like he would get levels up again when they get there. It's just the party would slowly catch up with them as they progress through. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I don't know. I, I don't like, why do you disagree with the idea that everyone should be under the same banner of level progression and advancement? No, I thought you were saying like, if you have a person who's level four, everybody else is level one. You don't want that. Oh, no, no, no. I love, like, a multi-level party. Yeah, that's what no. I... That, oh, I thought you were saying that. that, like, okay, Timmy, you're leveling up by killing this, and you're using the XP system, and, oh, you, uh, John, you're using the milestone system, and Ben, you get leveled up if you just pass these different points. No, no, no. It would be yeah. consistent for sure. Okay, yeah. That, no. That's, like, so much to track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I like having it consistent, but, yeah, it it is interesting the different um, strategies you can have. Because one of the, maybe the the mage is like, okay, shoot, I really need to get this spell. Let's just make a run for it. And maybe we can get to the portal to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so if if they cross the threshold, is that like, once you hit this, you level up? Yeah. Because I think that's how it's written in the book. Yes, yeah. Yeah, because lo- I like and the I wonder what... Now, now you just got me thinking about oh, like God. what class would be best for speedrunning. <laughs> oh, no, I as think possible. that'd be really fun. Like to say your goal of, or maybe say like all their HP is cut in half, or maybe they do terrible in combat, or maybe the monster is just higher level, but just say, okay, see if you can get past this without combat. Like see if you can sneak mm. past everything, sprint past everything and just see how I have that some ideas. Would and I, try think, that. I think I could, I think I could get pretty far <laughs> in, to, in the dungeon of the bad mage and just speed running it. I'm pretty oh, interested man. actually. Cause David's at my house basically every day. And we could definitely run like a little hour long, like oh, sneak yeah. fest. And it would not take prep. Um, I ha- I think I have a character that I, I would try it with. Okay, let's do this, David. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I yeah. Uh, something interesting that I like, and I think I, I stole this idea from Matt Colville, is that he will award feats as like quest rewards. Yes. So um, I think his leveling um, progression is a lot slower. So he's giving things that are. Not quite magic items. Um, I know one of the things he gave was like a magical... No, no, he gave a title. He gave land and a title to um, a character. But I would award feats. So like all like in my last game, the Oracle awarded the lucky feat to whoever wanted it. Like just one... She had one available, and so she gave it to someone. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like this. It was pretty cool. I like if it's thematic, too. Like, um, you got to be careful, because some, the- some feats are just game-breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just like super good. Like everyone knows like the, some of the, the top notch feats, um, like lucky, uh, yeah, well, lucky's pretty good, but like, think like a great weapon master or, uh, what's it like Sentinel super good. Like those, the tough toughness or whatever that one is like, God, th- those are way too good to be handed out willy nilly. But I think something like if you, some guy gets in a bar fight and beats up like this huge buff dragonborn and like. If he does that, you could maybe give him the Tavern Brawler feat. Um, just as kind of like a literal like achievement that he can hold up and be like, I got this feat from this accomplishment. Kind of going back to what David said of like telling the stories of your glory is what levels you up. Mm-hmm. Like I really like a rewarding f- or awarding feats for literal feats of strength or of cunning or of, you know, bravery. Um, but you got to make sure to that your game can take that balance change and that it doesn't shift the balance too much um, and that they aren't super powerful. But I, th- I think it's fun. It's almost like achievements in uh, like the Xbox world, right? Like uh-huh. you reward feats for your character. Yeah. So for instance, um, in my world, there's a dragon whose name is Z. 
and I would award a feat to anybody who can go and like actually wrestle the dragon and win. Oh. And the feat would be called Dragon Brawl Z. <laughs> All right, so I'm leaving the podcast, guys. It's been a good run. No, look at the legwork he put in for that. Oh, he has a big oof. Will just got the bard feet. (laughs) (laughs) Will got a level up. And inspiration. Um, We already talked about leveling up each session. That's pretty straightforward and and probably pretty common. Um, I do mine probably every other session, depending on uh, if my campaign runs for three or six sessions total before it concludes <laughs> see i i've had to actually slow myself down because if i do that then my players are just leveling up too quickly mm-hmm. um and that they really want it and it sucks to say no you don't level up but i don't want that power creep to just get insane um and kind of start to overwhelm to the point where i'm just gonna make two aceracs attack you know <laughs> double lacerac attack going back to the dungeon of the mad mages system like the players are in control of when they level up kind of right like they can shoot for that goal yeah and and so it takes that pressure off of you saying like well what feels right for leveling up so you see like the more you think about this there definitely is a balance between like what feels right and then like what rewards players for yeah taking control yeah absolutely Another thing that we, we often complain about is just, like, when someone levels up, like, it's just, like, a, a snap of the fingers, and it just seems, like, kind of unearned. Um, so what are some ways that you guys have tried to improve the process of leveling up from a verisimilitude standpoint? Um, yeah, yeah. what are some ways that you kind of almost, like, role-played leveling up with your players? Um, I developed a system where you had to go find a master to teach you your next level. Um, oh yeah and we, we just handle it thematically so between sessions i would text every player in a private chat like here's what happens to you and like here's a situation you have to like choose your own adventure through to get your level up and so one person had to like go to his he was a cleric and he had to meet a priest or something who was like way out in the boondocks and they had like an interaction and then the druid had to like track down like a slave ring or something like that and this is all handled via text uh, outside of the normal game time Oh, that's good. And it was really smooth and really fun. And then they get back to the table and they all have their own stories that none of the other ones have heard about. And they would like share it. And it was really fun. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a, uh, what's it called? A like postscript that you often do at the end of a campaign, but doing it at the end of each session. Well, um, yeah, whenever at the they beginning level up. of each session. Or yeah, whenever they level up. That's, that's really cool though. Other than uh, my idea for going back to town and having to tell your stories of your adventures, I don't. I haven't done much with downtime and things like that in training, but that's something that I want to work on and that I'm actively trying to figure out what I want to do in order to make leveling up more interesting and having a more verisimilitude to it, if that makes (laughs) sense. Yeah, the last few campaigns we've run have had a really breakneck pace yeah, where there's just like you don't have one night even to do anything, and yeah. you're out in the wilderness. I yeah, if you're going through Schultz yeah. and you have the death curse, it's it doesn't it doesn't fit well to have downtime leveling mm-hmm. as a uh, as like a an option as an option or as a system. It doesn't really make that much sense. So, so. I okay, I have a, a rare uh, contrarian point to that. Uh, <laughs> so so my rare one of my guys was. Um, one of my players was a samurai fighter going through Schultz. Um, and he specifically said he would wake up early 
or go to bed late to train. And this only worked because he, um, his, his mentor, uh, Hiroki was a, uh, a, in a gemstone, like in a soul stone, uh, on the hilt of his samurai sword. And so they could communicate. So like he would, the master would like train him as he's being swung literally as a sword. <laughs> um, and so he would go and, you know, like hit, uh, palm trees and stuff like that and like would practice. And it was really cool because it was literally role playing, like training and, and progressing and leveling up. And yeah, I thought that was really cool, but that is, that does take having like a mentor in a soul stone in the hilt of your weapon. <laughs> And the player initiative to uh, to make yeah, that yeah that might happen. actually be more rare yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that's really cool um, maybe we just need more ways to build in ways to train while out in the field even yeah. if you did it like just to put it really simply you could do what Skyrim does and, and require eight hours of rest right like yeah you can't just magically level up because you walk through a doorway yeah and a lot of stuff if you know what's coming next for them. Um, you can kind of plan for that. This takes a little more work as a dungeon master, but let's say you're a, uh, one of your players is a cleric and they're getting a bunch of new spells next level. Um, then maybe you can role play during a long rest that, that, that cleric had a dream where mm. their goddess showed up to them and bestowed like these new spells. Um, that's cool. And, yeah. and I, I like having, I use dreams a lot to reveal plot devices and to make long rests less boring. Um, but that can also be a way to to kind of infuse character development and progression and role-playing into leveling up. That's good. All right, so what are some general DM tips that we can give up regarding leveling? Well, I think it's important to determine how fast you want it to happen. Because if you're running a more epic-style like superhero campaign, there's no problem giving a level every session. Because you're wanting to get there. Or even just starting your characters off at a higher yes. level. Yes. I, I totally agree. I think it's important for you to know your sweet spot as a dungeon master. And I know this is a luxury I may have that others may not. Because I've played <laughs> so much D&D that like, I know which level range I really love. Um, and also ask your players which level range they really like. And maybe they haven't gotten that high. Um, but for me, my personal level, my favorite level range is probably like level three to like level seven or eight, which is probably what I have the most experience with. Um, but when I think the power level is really balanced and some fun things can happen. Um, and so once you find that sweet spot that you like, I love when my players are at this level, maybe try to keep them there a little longer, um, or maybe speed up to get there or maybe start closer to there. Um, but really make sure everyone is playing the type of game you want to play. And that level range really affects that. You know, if everyone's playing in like a level 18 campaign and everyone's kind of like combat's taking years and everyone's bored, then yeah, maybe you should have stayed a little little longer in like the level 10 and 11 range. Um, so it's really important to know the leveling, like the level ranges and which which levels you really like to indulge in and kind of stay there a while and maybe speed up to get there. Also, try to think about how long your campaign will last, even yeah. if you just ballpark it. Like, if you had a game that was meant to last three sessions or ten sessions or whatever, and you know you're leveling up every other session, um, it can kind of you can plan out the timing of those things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I ran what is now apparently a legendary three shot, two or three shot, um, some years ago. That was it was planned and it, and it ran like a mini series tv show it was great my players loved it um but like i was able to plan the progression a lot better because i think we just started at a certain level and we just stayed there 
And so it was this factor we didn't have to think about or consider um, because it was set up front, like this is meant to be a certain ex kind of experience. And uh, even the XP leveling system is going to reflect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another just good rule of thumb is to really make sure that the players know how the progression leveling system works from session one, mm -hmm. um, b before session one. So they know like um, what they should be aiming for. Like, like Will was mentioning earlier, what you reward players for will affect what they are drawn to, what drawn to do. Mm -hmm. So really make sure they know uh, what counts as progression in the mind of the DM um, or what counts as experience and then go from there. So they aren't kind of guessing if they're leveling up or not. Right. What if I said every thousand gold you donate to the charity of your choice in the game gives you a quarter XP or a quarter of a level, right? Like, oh, that's another one I just thought of. Um, but just so they know up That'd front. Interesting. Yeah. So they can plan accordingly. Every thousand gold you donate to the church. Or to the orphanage, yeah. or to the, the government. Or to your god. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And that way they don't wind up being incredibly rich, like mm -hmm. old school D&D characters. Yeah. All right, so now it is time for the action verb adventure generator segment, um, where we're going to have, we're going to pick five action verbs, and then we are going to creatively use them in any order to make a small adventure module, like a little... Uh, Maybe a session, or it could be bigger or smaller. Um, so first we need our five action verbs. Mm -hmm. My players, when we finished our last campaign, wanted a more social campaign, so I'm going to use the word recruit. Okay, David? Dismantle. Dismantle. Oh, all right. <laughs> we build and we destroy. Uh, okay, I am going to do map out, like I mentioned earlier. Oh, great. So cart cartographize. And then I will have the word steal. Steal. And then I will have dispose. Dispose. Oh, no. Okay. I love how David's throwing like an evil chaotic wrench and dismantle, right. dispose, devour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, which one should we start off with? Let me think about this. So um, I feel like recruit or steal or map out are the first ones. So, okay, I, I like the idea we should play with... Rec recruit seems like the natural one, so I think we should yeah. challenge ourselves and not have it be the first one. Hmm. Whoa, okay. All right, Jake, I'll play so your game. I think we should start with either... Map out. Yeah, map out is, is a good one. So, okay, let's start with map out. So what is the adventuring party? What is their initial goal to, to map out? So I'll, I'll tell you kind of like the highlights of what I'm thinking. So I'm imagining that there is some sort of device or object that they're gonna have to there's let's say there's an evil faction and there's gonna be a lot of infiltration and this is gonna be like a more heist blades in the dark yes. style game where you're gonna have to go in you're gonna have to map out the territory you're probably gonna have to do some sort of recruiting you're gonna have to dismantle like whatever you're like gonna steal then you're gonna have to steal it and then you're gonna have to dispose of it Maybe okay. it's some sort of evil weapon. I see it. I, I'm tracking. So this is a enemy gang member's base or even a compound of multiple buildings. Okay. And so you're obviously going to um, impersonate, steal the identity of somebody so you can get into the building mm -hmm. and then build an accurate enough map to plan the next stage of the heist. Um, this would okay. probably also involve stealing on that first information gathering phase. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of this being a little bigger, like maybe a huge compound. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and you enter... 
Uh, and then, then we can use recruit. And you have to maybe find a faction or a group of people to kind of join you in in this mutiny or this coup or some mm. sort of like um, – or whatever task you're in here for. Have you guys seen the movie that's on Netflix? I think it's called Apostle. No. And basically there's a cult on this island um, and this guy is going there to rescue his sister. Um, so he has to pretend to be like a devout member of this cult while he's trying to kind of feel out who's kind of coerced to be here and who's really buys into this culty stuff. Oh, that sounds um, great. That sounds really good. So so maybe something like a, a hostile compound where you're kind of – the players are in disguise as like, you know, pro-compound people. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And they're trying to kind of tease out and recruit people that would uh, maybe help them in an uprising. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Let's just put it on an island like in that movie. Okay. that way um, the whole adventure will stay there and you can't just leave when it's convenient. Yeah, that's – yeah. So – Island, you enter under aliases. Um, the mm-hmm. players enter. Um, you're trying to recruit people. So, so who who is the leader of this compound on this island? Is, are we going with a cult? Uh, we could. A cult is very fun. Yeah. Okay. So I'm imagining you're trying to dismantle the cult as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so you're trying to oh, maybe so you're, so you're spreading disinformation, right? Yes. Like you're trying to make everybody. Re- rise up and revolt yes. gamers rise up uh, and take down the whole organization and once they rise up you can steal the artifact mm-hmm. that or, is or even re-kidnap somebody right like, yeah yeah so the steel that that has to be maybe the macguffin of this whole thing maybe it's yeah. a um, a key to open up a portal to hell and maybe that's where all that this cult is getting its power but it's very mm. real power power yeah. that you couldn't just take the players couldn't just take head on yeah so maybe it's you you get in there. You're recruiting. You're trying to dismantle the cult. It, every there, there should be this aura of uh of like tension and intrigue with everyone because you don't know who to trust, who's on your side, yeah. or who's total pro cult. Okay, how what do you think of this? Um, we're going to steal the identity of the cult leader <gasps> so that we can dismantle <laughs> the entire organization and then dispose of the key so there's a um, them power. there's a powerful sh- uh shapeshifter what do they call it the doppelganger yeah. oh. that's who we're here to recruit cuz like oh that's good yeah. and so once we get them we steal the identity mm-hmm. and put him in command so oh. it's it's a highly social intrigue kind of mission yeah so what is dispose then would it be um that dis- artifact the body of the real guy or the oh. artifact we're yeah. here for yeah cuz maybe the the doppelganger you want to recruit him not to uh, to do anything crazy, but maybe just to lead the cult in a nicer direction. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so the goal is just to dispose of the old body. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's not even a cult. It's just like a church that's gotten off track. Right. A big factor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if we want to make it hard to get rid of a body, um, we would make the leader be something other than a human. Like This is a giant oh, or yeah. some very different creature that you can't just like hide away. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe a hill giant or a hulking dragonborn or something. Or a dragon. Oh, yeah, or a oh. dragon. Yeah, literal that dragon makes it cult. Tough. Yeah. Can doppelgangers transform into... No. No? So it'd be like a polymorph spell. So I don't know. There's a lot going on with this. Yeah. We need this more is... verbs. It's like each of these verbs has like three things yeah, in the adventure. Attached to but it. this is great. Yeah. So I, I think we've... Uh, I, think I can we've run right. Yeah. So... um. Sounds like Any, an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone who's listening, feel free to steal one or all or any amount of those ideas um, for any any campaign or any any just little 
part of one page adventure. dungeon encounter for a small fee of for any ninety nine ninety nine nine nine. I hate that joke. <laughs> so um, yeah, feel free to use these for any uh, encounter. Uh, plug them in wherever you'd like. Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana episode thirty nine. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. Follow us on Twitter at Vox Arcana Pod, and our Facebook and Instagram are both at Vox Arcana Podcast. Email your questions and feedback to voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you like what you hear, support us on Patreon. Just five bucks a month will get you extra bonus episodes and all kinds of other stuff. We'll see you next time.